French soldiers deployed as part of Operation Turquoise arrived in Yarushishi on 23rd June and in Murambi on the 24th of June 1994. The French began to push a narrative to media who had been critical of their government, making it seem as though they had been deployed to rescue and protect victims in these camps. Not only did the troops do little to protect the refugees who are still being attacked by militia in and around the camps, they did nothing to dismantle roadblocks in the region and inflicted further harm with many rape victims later coming forward with allegations against the French military best in these refugee camps. Nyarushishi, the deployment of French military officers in Operation Turquoise allowed the continuation of massacres and rape in the refugee camp and its surroundings. Nyarushishi was a former Burundian refugee camp in 1993. Tutsis who had been evacuated from the city of Tiangugu and other genocide survivors from other places such as Mibirizi, Shanji, Nyamasheche, Chibogora were brought in the same camp. French soldiers arrived in Nyarushishi on June 23, 1994. Officially, Nyarushishi camp had the most important humanitarian objective of Operation Turquoise as a whole. But the testimony of refugees and some Niramge militia who controlled the vicinity of the camp rather say that the massacres of Tutsis by the Niramge militia continued and that French soldiers committed several acts of rape on survivors whom they were supposed to protect. French soldiers entered Tiangugu on June 23, 1994 and immediately went to Nyarushishi to show that they had come to rescue people. They needed positive information to show their local televisions because the media was criticizing the French government for sending troops to Rwanda to help the genocidal government. The French used tricks to expose the Nyarushishi camp as evidence that they had come to Rwanda to rescue victims, yet it was to hide the true face of Turquoise to help the criminal government. That is why they had asked the Tabazi government not to close Nyarushishi camp so that the international media, especially those in France, can use it to portray the positive image. In Nyarushishi, there were a number of atrocities, including the rape of girls by the French soldiers. Since 2005, some of the girls who were forcibly raped in Nyarushishi and Murambi have filed lawsuits in France over the crime. The media asked former French military officials in Tiangugu what they thought of the allegations and they pointed out that it was possible that the crime had been committed. Colonel Didier Toussaint, a senior COS commander who arrived in Yerushish on June 23, 1994, said the following to La Croix newspaper in 2011. I did not come across with such news during the Turquoise period. We were with a lot of journalists and none of them had said those things. But... I cannot conclude 100% that there was no such thing for any individual military officer. As for Colonel Jacques Rogard, a commander of the French army in Tiangugu during Turquoise period, he told Cosette newspaper the following in 2011. It is possible to have those who break the law. If it happened, it was done by a few at their own will, not by our system. I was once informed that the Legionnaire had stolen beer crates, but I don't believe there was rape of girls. This statement itself is a lie. If the commander of the French army admitted that his army was stealing beer crates, how could they be afraid of raping girls if they were thieves to the point of stealing beer? These statements show that Toussaint and Ogar 
were well aware of the crimes committed by the soldiers under their command. General Jean-Claude Lafourcade, the former commander-in-chief of the whole Operation Turquoise, seems to believe that there was rape of women and girls in Nyarushishi and Murambi camps perpetrated by their soldiers, but again seems to undermine the information by saying, no serious crimes were committed, no rape was committed in general. It is understood that he acknowledged that the rape of girls had been committed, but reduced its severity by relying only on non-compliance with the guidelines of the military administration. In addition, Colonel Tibolt made statements expressing his solidarity with the Inherami militia and other genocide perpetrators in Nyarushishi. A good example is a statement made during the interview with the New York Times journalist Raymond Bonner on June 28, 1994, who asked him why the Nirame continued to surround Nyarushishi camp and that the French had not evicted them. Thibault replied, We do not have the mission to disarm the Nirame militia. It was published in the New York Times on June 29, 1994. Another tragedy is the way the Red Cross staff had been involved in the massacres of Tutsis who were being evacuated from Nyarushishi camp. The most notable was Hatajikima Anasad, who handed over Tutsis to the Nyarushishi militia to kill them and was a Red Cross employee. The Nyarushishi camp security circle was made up of French military guard posts, lined with a larger concentric circle of Nyarushishi militia and Rwandan gendarme roadblocks. Refugees received food but had to go outside the camp to get firewood. A witness said, One day, three young people were flushed out of the tea plantation by Nerami militia and ran towards the camp, hunted by Nerami. They managed to enter Nyarushishi camp. The gendarme position commander who was there entered the camp, took them. The French were there and attended the scene without doing anything. We never saw the three young people again. For several survivors of Nyarushishi camp, the French soldiers were accomplices of Inirami militia in the killings and torture committed against the Tutsi. Most of Tutsis who were seeking refuge in the camp reached into the hands of the Inirami militia since they absolutely had to pass through the roadblocks held by the latter. An Inirami interviewed by Mucha Commission said that French soldiers asked them to kill anyone who wanted to enter the camp. We had a roadblock about 1,000 meters from the French tent. On this blockade, we killed many people and the French came to ask us what was going on. We explained to them that we had killed Tutsis and they told us to ensure that no one else entered the camp and those who came later should be killed. Following this instruction, we killed a woman with her young daughter and a young man. I did not know them. They said they came from a place called Kuinheko. We also killed Tutsis who are leaving the camp to get firewood, including Charles, son of Sembeva. After killing them, we threw them into a mass grave near the roadblock. The French soldiers came to see what we were doing and told us that we are real soldiers. As a reward, they gave us combat rations. They also accompanied us on night patrols. After the RPF victory, the French prohibited us from continuing to massacre the Tutsis in order to prevent the RPF from taking revenge. Instead, they advised us and invited us to flee, making signs to us that the RPF would cut our throats, and they became very angry with the people hanging around the houses. Several rape victims claimed that they were raped by French soldiers in Nyarushishi camp. The French took turns raping Claudine. She was between 14 and 15 years old in 1994, and she was so traumatized that she had turned crazy. 
They also raped Oscar's sister, Umurisa. They sexually tortured them by putting chili in their genitals. They raped a lot of girls, only we don't know their names. French soldiers also raped young girls whom they had evacuated from Eavenhendezi. They came to fetch them from the camp. In order to escape, they went to sleep in other tents so that they could not find them. French soldiers raped girls outside Nyerushishi camp and the Kamaramaka Stadium, a victim said. The French soldiers installed at the Kamaramaka Stadium also raped Tutsi girls and women during Operation Tirquoise. They specifically had charged us with looking for Tutsi girls or women for them and some victims of their rape survived. It was necessary to bring them Tutsi girls whom they said would not cause them any problem if people learned that they had raped them and it was strictly forbidden to bring them Hutu girls. The first time, I brought them two 14- or 15-year-old girls to the Kamaramaka Stadium. The first one, whom we had found in the Mururu Cemetery, was called Beata. As we knew she was a Tutsi, we took her and brought her to the Kamaramaka Stadium, where French soldiers raped her. Then they handed her back to us, begging us not to kill her. Several Tutsi women had been victims of sexual slavery in Nyerushishi camp, French soldiers committed systematic rape of Tutsi women whom they had kept during their presence in Nyarushishi camp. A survivor of Nyarushishi testifies. The French soldiers arrived in the afternoon and Bavugamenshi asked us to welcome them warmly while dancing. When they arrived, the French went around the camp tents taking photos. After three days, they identified the girls' shelter. On the fourth day at nightfall, those who identified them returned with other Frenchmen to take the girls whom they brought into their tents to rape them. Personally, I had the worst rape experience. After stripping me naked, they raped me in groups of four at the same time and took turns. I was with other women. They released us at four in the morning to bring us back the next day. Sometimes they came to pick us up in the morning and came back again in the evening. When we tried to hide... They organized a committee responsible for finding us everywhere and bring us back. This situation lasted for the entire period that they stayed in Nyerushishi camp. Because of these savage and permanent acts which they made me undergo, I subsequently had serious gynecological complications. I had a painful infection in the uterus. When I remember that they had added to what I had been subjected to by the Nerame militia, I lost my mind and wanted to kill myself. The mere fact of having a dependent child held me back. The fact that all Tutsis were not killed by Nerame militia in Yerushishi was influenced by Colonel Inosaba Vugamenshi, who led the gendarmerie in Tiangugu. He refused to commit the genocide and took the gendarmes that he trusted and instructed them to protect the Nyarushishi camp and fought with Nerame militia until French soldiers arrived. He died in the aftermath of the genocide after he had joined the Rwandan Unity Government Army. The first French turquoise soldiers to arrive in Yukongoro were the COS, Commandement des Opérations Spéciales, forces, under the orders of Lieutenant Colonel Etienne Joulbert, who arrived there on June 24, 1994, from Tiangugu. They set up their headquarters on the premises of the SOS Children's Center. On June 27, they were joined by the Légionnaires of the 11th Parachutist Division, led by Captain Eric Hervé, then by a régionaire of the 2nd Foreign Infantry Regiment of Nîmes, directed by Captain Nicole. These latter contingents settled in the premises of Asepar College. 
Third Group of the 13th Half Brigade of the Foreign Legion from Djibouti, under the orders of Captain Boucher, settled at the edge of Nyungwe Forest, where they built trenches. On July 5th, soldiers from the 11th Marine Artillery Regiment, as well as the 2nd Parachute Infantry Regiment from Réunion, took up the positions at Murambi Technical School, which was still under construction, where a very large-scale massacre occurred on the night of April 20th to 21st. The French detachment, based in Murambi, was at that time directed by Colonel Jacques Rosière, who was at the same time the commander of the COS. On their arrival in Murambi, the French soldiers installed light-armored vehicles with 90mm guns. At that time, everyone was convinced that the French were coming to rescue the government army, which prompted the local authorities at the head of which the prefet, Laurent Chibaruta, organized a joyful protest with banners admiring French support. The command of the French contingent of Dikongoro was first entrusted to Colonel Didier Toussaint, alias Thibault. On July 4, 1994, the French army would not hesitate to break the spine of the RPF, and that the orders would be no section, which means that the French were ready to kill RPF soldiers entering the zone turquoise. Thibault was temporarily replaced by Colonel Sartre until July 16th, the date when the latter was transferred to Chibuye. The command of the Congoro was then assigned to Lieutenant Colonel Eric de Stanberat, assisted by Commander Peguvelo, who carried out his task until Turquoise was finally withdrawn on August 22, 1994. The French soldiers collaborated with authorities of the Congoro who massacred Tutsis. They regularly organized meetings with them and crossed the whole prefecture for dividing the places and fixing barricades in particular along the Mwogo River, in order to prohibit the RPF to access the Urquaz region. The French soldiers dismissed Burgumestre from their jobs and appointed their own authorities, or confirmed those who were in office despite their involvement in the genocide. Almost all the Burgumestre and sous-préfets who worked with the French have been sentenced for genocide crimes either by the Rwandan justice system or by the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda, ICTR. The French soldiers gave these Burgumestre clear instructions aiming in particular to seek infiltrators of the RPF and its accomplices and to bring them to the former. According to numerous testimonies collected through Commission Mucho between 2006 and 2007, these instructions were worth authorization to do everything, including to continue hunting Tutsis. They also appointed civilian security agents who collaborated with them in supervising activities and provided them with weapons. With the arrival of Turquoise, different camps for displaced populations were quickly created on several sites in prefecture and the most important were Murambi, Tianika, Okarama, Mbazi, Kaduha, Musanje, Chiveho, Ndago, Mudasomna, Muko, Mushubi, and others. These camps also housed in Heramwe militia, ex-FAR soldiers, and political and administrative authorities responsible for the genocide perpetrated against the Tutsi. These groups continued to hunt Tutsis in and around camps and killed several people there. The French allowed the genocidaires to do it freely, in particular, by not dismantling the barricades on which Heramwe militia operated. The Murambi camp was installed in the building of technical school which was under construction where more than 50,000 Tutsis had been massacred after being gathered there on the orders of Prefe Buchivaruta. 
The French soldiers arrived at the site two months after the genocide had set up a camp for displaced people there, as well as military bears with missiles and weapons. They surrounded the camp with barbed wire and trenches to permit control. They were helped in their installation by local population, including many Nerangwe militia responsible for the great massacre of April 21, 1994. A big number of corpses had been removed from the rooms by the prefectural administration in preparation for the arrival of the French and buried them in mass graves in school gardens. Some of the bodies were still there. Blood stains were still visible on the walls, which forced the French to clean the premises and to bury the decomposing bodies. French soldiers had set up volleyball courts right next to the pit, not directly above it. The limits of the volleyball court adjoined those of the pit and both players and spectators walked on the mass graves. Inside, they had mixed indiscriminately the Tutsi survivors of the genocide, ex-far elements, and militiamen who had participated in the genocide. This cohabitation allowed militiamen to continue killings in the camp even though it was an area supposed to be secure. Testimonies show a complicity between French soldiers and militiamen which allowed the continuation of assassinations, rape, and other human rights violations on this site. The French soldiers did not dismantle the barricades of the militiamen which served as places of sorting and killing. They allowed the militiamen with their weapons to enter camps with survivors of the genocide and these militiamen took people there and then killed them. There have also been cases of French soldiers assisting or encouraging the assassination of Tutsi survivors of the genocide who had come to them for help. According to several testimonies, the French soldiers delivered Tutsis to the militiamen and incited their massacre. Indeed, French soldiers arrested Tutsis and handed them over to militiamen who killed them immediately in front of them. These deliveries were made most of the times on barricades installed by militiamen since April 1994, which the French left to function throughout Tirquoise. One of the most infamous roadblocks is the one which was at Mwogo Bridge, separating old prefectures of Jikongoro and Butari. French soldiers led the Inherame militia to continue to check identity cards on the same roadblock, which were followed by assassinations by the latter in front of the eyes of the French soldiers. Journalists present at the scene in between July and August 1994 have described a situation in which the survivors were threatened with death by the militiamen, while the French were theoretically there to stop the massacres. Corinne Lesney of the French daily newspaper Le Monde noted that in Murambi they are protected, but terrorized refugees who would like nothing but to leave the safe zone set up to reassure them. Dominique Garot of Liberation newspaper observed the same dangerous environment for survivors of the genocide and he wrote, On the outskirts of the market, which was full of vegetables testifying to the agricultural vitality of the region, Rwandan soldiers and nonchalant militiamen with new Kalashnikov on their shoulders greeted the French soldiers. This good-natured atmosphere was misleading. Among many refugees, militiamen were still tracking Tutsis or moderate Hutus. Official Turquoise documents drawn up by French soldiers on Kaduha showed that in July 1994, there were recent corpses, which tends to confirm the testimony relating to the continuation of the assassinations during the presence of the French soldiers. In fact, an information sheet from Operation Turquoise, dated 10th July 1994, relates several mass graves, some of which containing hundreds of corpses, were discovered in Kaduha. It also appears that there are recent corpses near the market. 
The continuation of Tutsi massacres in Kaduha was also noted by Western journalists who arrived there accompanied by French soldiers. This is what Christian Leconte of the weekly La Vie newspaper noted in July 1994. In mid-July, the church of Kaduha remained stained by the carnage that took place there. Traces of blood everywhere. Nothing has been washed or hidden. We hope for impunity because the hunt of Tutsis continue in Kaduha sous-prefecture. Cases of rape, violence, sexual slavery and attempted rapes are told by victims themselves, most of them survivors of the genocide, who are taken refuge in places made safe by these soldiers. Other acts of this nature were reported by witnesses who worked with French soldiers, who had seen them or have heard them. Most of these acts took place in the camps of French soldiers in Karama, Tianika, Murambi and SOS Kikongoro. They also happened in places where these soldiers stayed for a longer or short period, such as Chinyamakara, Kaduha and Mushubi. A victim was raped at her home, located at Miko Commercial Center in Karamo Commune, by two French soldiers led by Burgmestre Desirenje Zahayo. A number of testimonies affirmed that French soldiers had carried out acts of physical torture on civilians, in particular beating and violent confinement. Others report humiliating and degrading actions of people who are placed under the authority of French soldiers. Furthermore, before leaving Jikongoro, Tiangu Guanchibuye, French soldiers destroyed or took away goods from the Rwandan administration and public establishments and took them to Zaire. Sometimes, they assisted the population in looting and destroying public goods. French officials who led Operation Turquoise in Jikongoro collaborated with the criminal authorities or appointed in power those who were involved in the genocide. At the time, most of them were notorious killers who are not difficult to identify by simply searching for information. The French knew whom they were dealing with by choosing to collaborate with these burgomestres and sous-prefets, whether in Jikongoro, Tiangugu, and Chibuye. This was stated by a frigate captain, Marin Guillière, to the journalist Christian Leconte in July 1994. We know that the burgomestres and sous-prefets of the region are mostly involved in the massacres of Tutsis, even their instigators. We have accumulated testimonies that prove it, but for the moment, there are only contacts with the 1.5 million Hutu refugees who have flocked to the area. In Jikongoro, the French remarkably collaborated closely with the following main genocidaires. Laurent Boutibaruta, the prefect of Jikongoro, he fled to France. Damien Biniga, the sous-prefet of Munini, he is wanted by Rwandan justice. Joseph Nedjeinwari, the sous-prefet of Karava, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. Joachim Hatajekimana, the sous-prefet of Kaduha, sentenced to life imprisonment, among others. A significant number of bourgmestres, sector councillors, former bourgmestres, left Rwanda under the protection of the French soldiers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kivoka Podcast. As always, make sure you leave us a review sharing what you like about the podcast, and share with others who would be interested in listening.